Uh, thank you for being here. So very, very early in the morning for you. It's uh, five o'clock on the U.S. West Coast. What time is it for you there? It's one o'clock in the morning. Oh. That's 1 a.m. here. So, uh, really... Thank you for keeping me up. And I'm very happy <laughs> to be here with you. Terrific. Terrific. All right. So let's let's start with a little bit of background. What I'd like you to do is you know share your background a minute um we're new at this we you and i have talked about this this is uh this is the very beginning of our dare greatly podcast series um uh, for those that are just finding us for the first time there's our, our core company is liftport group we've been around off and on for nearly 20 years through good days and bad days uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we wound up doing a lot of technical conferences as a service, and that has morphed into 27 conferences, nearly 300 hours, sorry, 350 hours of online conferences. You can find them on our YouTube channel. Uh, and then that has evolved into... Uh, creating this brand new podcast series. And we're hoping to do uh, two events a month, or sorry, two events a week. So a pretty aggressive podcasting schedule. And then that's going to lead to four big conferences each year, quarterly. Um, and this whole Dare Greatly theme is focused around the money, finance, capitalization, and commercialization of space. Uh, it's a nearly five trillion, five hundred billion dollar industry, um, and it's crazy. But no one seems to be tracking it. No one's really, you know, following the money. So we decided to create this series um, and really look at kind of some of the movers and shakers, the ideas um, that is, that are shaping this industry and therefore shaping the world shaping the human species so uh with that kind of preface it's really great to have uh Kobana hughes here he's um uh he's an attorney who has come up with something that i think is quite remarkable so we're going to spend more time on that after we hear a little bit more about Kobana. Kobana, give us some background a little bit of um you know, who you are what you're doing in the world and how you got to this idea let's hold this idea for a second just give us the background of where where this came from you are muted sir that was so predictable isn't it <laughs> it always happens no, 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 thank you very much. Happy to be joining you on this session and thanks for inviting me. Um, yes, yeah, so a little bit about me. I'm, I am I'm a lawyer, an attorney, as you say, um, based in the UK, uh, African origin. I tend to, my, my, my first degree was in systems engineering and then I switched to law uh, many years later. And my practice is mainly in the areas of power um and infrastructure projects and i've lived and worked both in the uk and in ghana um so um i, I had a 
an interest in space as a as a young man as a teenager um, mainly sci-fi and space programs and i kind of lost interest well I, I suppose the real real life got in the way and i had to study and work and i i, I lost um, space or my connection with space for a while and it was only about two or three years ago that i started getting back into the sector and so I describe myself more as a as a lawyer with a passion for space than as a space lawyer. I mean, I know a lot of space lawyers and I'm not one of them, but um, I have a real interest in space. And so that's me by, by, by background. Um, let's go ahead and start off on this idea of um, orbital corporations. Uh, orbital virtual corporations and special purpose orbital corporations. So we're going to, I'm going to share the document that you sent me. Um, and we're going to kind of take it apart a minute, you know, bit by bit by bit, because each piece is a building block. And with your background as, uh, as an attorney, uh, for you, I know that it's important to establish precedent and precedent and precedent until you get to the gotcha moment. Uh, and and that's, I was pretty surprised. I'm just going to like jump to the gotcha moment where it's, where basically you're saying these digital, uh, orbital digital virtual corporations they could be really, really important, right? Um, I think they're maybe more important than most people are are considering. So uh, let's let's kind of take a look at this. I'm going to share your document. Uh, you can see I've done a lot of um, markups on it. Uh, okay. So I have a whole bunch of notes in here, um, lots of notes. Uh, but let's just kind of start with this basic idea. Uh, we will share this document. It's actually posted in the Eventbrite page. It's posted um, uh, uh, on our on our websites. Uh, we'll share that in just a moment. Uh, Leah, if you could tackle that, thank you. Um, Tell me in your own words, without getting into the document, what is this thing? What 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 is what is it you're trying to accomplish here? Well, I suppose, in a nutshell, um, it's it, it's. I think I felt there was a need to um, uh, create corporate vehicles for for commerce in space, and uh, what I mean by that is um, that. We have um, um, the, the global economy is virtually um, uh, it's run through the kind of uh, uh, concepts of, of, of corporation companies do business companies trade um, they have legal personality they can buy and sell goods employ people enter into agreements and so on and the, we we have obviously we have companies on earth who are engaging in space and my interest was in whether actually the future would benefit from having companies 
engaging in space activities which were not earthbound whether you could have in essence companies which were uncoupled from earth and trading and dealing with each other in space um, and the reason behind that um, um, would be to facilitate commerce so whether in decoupling companies from their earthbound ownership as it were um, um, you could incentivize investment and and whether you could in, uh, free them from the same tax burdens that companies on earth are bound by and in so doing whether you can actually give the space sector um, a stimulus a much needed stimulus um, um, uh, provide greater incentives for people to to participate in the economy okay so let's back up and kind of take this apart a little bit um you, you want to walk us through your legal rationale and i've got many of the uh, uh documents cited in your in your paper loaded so just let me know what you which ones you want to pull up and you can kind of walk through your thinking about this but i want to make sure that we spend enough time talking about the implications of it so let's lay the foundation okay Okay. I think the first thing to say is that the concept may be of greater application to different parts of the new space economy. So um, there has been, uh, I suppose, um, a division that's been set out by others between what you might call the space for Earth um economy and the space for space economy and and it may be that this is of more application to the space for space economy um that's the first thing to say i think the the next issue would be around the concept of sovereignty um and i think um many people many observers, people who call, you know, academics, everybody virtually <laughs> talks about space um, and, and, and the inability to assert sovereignty over celestial object. And so the, the common mantra is there is no sovereignty in space. Um, and that's an interesting concept. So, but, but the, the, the Outer Space Treaty, which, which basically gives rise to that principle, um, is very much about sovereignty over celestial objects. I think it's Article 2 that we're looking for here. But, um, but basically, um, the, 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 I see you're scrolling for it. Um, the, the issue here is that whilst... This, this killed me. It's a 66-page document, but the actual uh, text of the Outer Space Treaty is three pages long. Um, yeah, uh, let me get to it right here. So there's a whole bunch of whereas and whatever's, uh, and it's these are the articles. By the way, the so, Airspace Treaty is 50 years old uh, yesterday. You, so. Oh, right. Well, very, very appropriate timing. You scroll past yeah. Article 2. Um, it's just a very short article. Outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies, is not subject to national appropriation by claims of sovereignty and so on. So, so, so the idea is that you, you can't 
you can't claim sovereignty over um, any part of a celestial body. Um, and this is relevant to inc the incorporation of companies in that in order to establish a company, well, what is a company? It's, it's almost like a legal fiction. It is a legal fiction. It's, it's, it's the act of incorporation. We have various theories and, and the concession theory basically uh, establishes that companies are created by charter. So a sovereign um, body grants you permission to operate as a company, gives breathes life into you as a, as a fictional legal um, entity. And so um, if you can't have sovereignty on the moon, you couldn't um, grant, in my opinion, a legal capacity to a body from the moon. So um, um, uh, that, that, that is a kind of challenge, but that doesn't mean, in my opinion, that you can't um, extend sovereignty to uh, a non-celestial body which made me think about, I know <laughs> this is going on to the next um, area of, of, the, of the next building block for this. And when, when, I, when I started thinking about this, the immediate example that came to mind was of um, um, an experiment which was conducted by, well not an experiment, a, a, a transaction by the Estonian government where they cited um, a, a data center in Luxembourg, and they, in essence, transferred a part of their sovereignty, their national sovereignty, to the data center. Um, and so my, 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 I suppose, construct is that you could, whilst you cannot have sovereignty over a celestial body, you could have sovereignty that is attached to, say, um, a satellite or a space station um, and in so doing, you could actually have that. Uh, uh, so if you had a server on a space station, you could authorize, as it were, if you were a sovereign body, you could authorize um, or extend your sovereignty to that server and you could incorporate um, through that server uh, a companies off planet, as it were. So the, those are the building blocks, I suppose. The first building block is, can you extend sovereignty um, to uh, a body off planet in order that that body can then proceed to incorporate companies? And that very much depends on what you would call the concession theory of incorporation, where companies are seen as being um, created by, by charter, by, by sovereign. And then that's the first building block, I suppose. Um, and the question then, and I'll, 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 I'll pause for breath in a minute, Michael. The question then is, why would you want to do this? Um, and the answer is that, well, well, there's various reasons, but the most prominent one is to do with taxation. And tax normally attaches to you depending on your domicile um, or where there's a connection between a transaction and a jurisdiction. Um, so if you were to have companies which were incorporated off planet, you could argue that 
they are not domiciled in any particular jurisdiction. Right. And this is when I mentioned the space to space economy rather than the space for earth economy. If those companies which are now incorporated off planet are now actually conducting business off planet as well, you could argue not only are they not domiciled, but also their transactions do not touch earth. And so they are not subject uh, to um, a tax jurisdiction. Um, and that's why you may want to consider incorporating um, off planet. I'll pause there and then and let you um, uh, 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 jump in. So there's a, there's a lot here. There's a lot here, obviously. Um, so let's kind of take this apart uh, and kind of look at the pieces here. So you're saying that within current law, um, treaties of the United Nations, U.S. Uh, federal policies, and, and in your citations, you have, uh, you list a lot of policies. Um, uh, this is not an Americentric document, though. You're, you're, uh, uh, you're from uh, the UK and Ghana. So this isn't, this isn't just about kind of, you know, um, America leading the way or anything like that. But what you are saying is that there are policies <clears throat> within the United States and within the United Nations treaty system that supports this idea of uh, special purpose orbital corporations. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like the way you introduced the special purpose orbital corporations. That that was a, a toying around of words and names. I mean, I think names are important. So the idea of calling these companies Fox um, um, as a nod to Star Trek came up at one stage, hence a, a special purpose orbital corporation or orbital virtual corporations. The name is, is, is important, but that's yet to be settled. But you, you're right, this is not a merocentric because um, legal, um, I suppose, principles um hopefully uh, are or can be of, of of universal um application so here for example i would i i would see um, um any any sovereign state could buy into this concept and could um, um extend its sovereignty to a node in space it could be the us it could be the uk um, um it could be I suppose are the leading commercial nations now, Luxembourg, UAE, Japan, and so on. And obviously you've got China and Russia doing their things, but any sovereign state could arguably engage in such an activity. And I actually really think that um, without, well, um, um, it's important to have, I suppose, a, a sovereign behind you um, to do this if you're going to certainly base your arguments on the concession theory of incorporation. Um, so it's not Americentric. Um, however, I imagine that another reason for possibly doing this would be to enable a degree of control because we haven't gone to the detail yet, but if you can incorporate on a server um, in space, then you can start through regulation um, um, doing more with those entities in terms of permissions 
and um, um, the way in which they transact. Uh, we haven't come on to that yet because we're dealing with the, the construct itself, but we can come on to the detail of what you can then do with them later. But it's certainly not a Merocentric. Yeah, okay. That's super That's important to note because, uh, because space, in some senses, as noted in the UN Treaty, there is a global commons component to it, but there's uh, more than more than 50 space agencies, national space agencies. There's uh, thousands of companies trying to do stuff within, uh, you know, Leo Mio Geo going out to the moon. Some are pushing out to uh, to Mars. There are folks trying to push to other stars, and there are folks trying to push to Venus. So we know that um, even though it's going to be difficult, uh, humanity and its commerce and its tools of operating, they're moving to outside the framework of Earth, outside this, uh, this fragile home that we have. So I looked it up because I was curious. Um, in the United States, there's uh, uh, 33 million companies. There's only 350, 340 million Americans, 330 million Americans, but there's 33 million companies. Now, most of those are, are sole proprietorships, right? It's uh, somebody who has a, a local cleaning service or... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, an attorney or all of, all of the service kinds of businesses that are incorporated. Uh, there's about 2 million corporations um, in the United States. Uh, but as humans move out into uh, the solar system and we take our systems of governance out there, a corporation does make sense to uh, to be one of those tools that we bring out into into the cosmos. Yes, that seems pretty 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 basic, right? I I I'd agree with that, but um, I don't even I, I don't think that you even have to go that far. I think that um, the kind of transactions that I see or, or foresee being um, a, attractive, or the concept being attractive to are things, I mean, we've got companies like, you know, Orbit Fab doing gas stations in space, um, off-world with robots, a Space Forge um, doing manufacturing and Axiom, and, and we've got space-based solar power. So there's a lot which is going on near enough to Earth. <laughs> you don't even have to go to Mars. <laughs> but I, I imagine that there's going to be a whole um, economy. Um, you mentioned the number of companies um, um, in the US. I think of that figure of, did you say three or 33 million? I think something like 5,000 are listed as space companies. Um, um, and I think globally there's 10,000 or so space companies. So the yeah, US has yeah. about half of the world's number of space companies. Um, but yeah. of those 5,000 companies, um, I imagine um, a percentage of them um, will be a space for space focused and that percentage, I can't draw, uh, uh, give you a figure yet, but the, the, they will be, um, for example, refueling of satellites. Um, they may want to uh, uh, buy into this concept. So it is not 
even about traveling to other planets. Um, um, it, it, it's quite it's something that's, I think, real enough and near enough to home at the moment. Um, and the whole point of doing this is to try and de-risk the sector in a way um, and to make it more streamlined for commerce to take place and to also allow a certain amount of, um, of, of governance um, and regulation to do with some of the issues that flow from the uh, principle of space being for all um, humanity. Um, so, so, so yes, but I, I don't think it's necessarily connected to, you know, the vision of uh, interstellar travel, which is great, but I, th I think this actually hits nearer to home. Excellent. Uh, th that really kind of points to the fact that this is, if you will, a down-to-earth concept. I I'm talking about, you know, the future far out, um, but what you're saying is, no, no, this is, this is where we are right now. We know that there are orbital, orbital tug companies, companies that, that are moving an asset from Leo to Geo, for example, or repositioning them when they've gotten out of, uh, uh, you know, out of their orbital slot. Or there's, uh, you know, France just yesterday announced uh, $1.5 billion uh, in US dollars um, to focus on orbital tug technology coming out of France. Like that just happened, that just happened yesterday. Um, so each nation is starting to carve out specializations. We've known that uh, Canada has had specialization in um, robotics, especially the arms, but other robotics uh for nearly nearly 20 years um uh even um uh even small nations like uh luxembourg have decided they want to carve out specializations uh in this sector so we we know that this space economy the cislunar econosphere it's happening. It's happening around the world all the time right now. Um, so let's take an example of this transaction and say, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Orbit, Orbit Fab and I've got the beginnings of a gas station online uh, in orbit somewhere. And France is just creating a new orbital tug. There are three or four orbital tugs, by the way, but let's just use France in the, this example. Um, a company registered in France comes up to a company registered in the United States, Orbit Fab, and let's call it Frank uh, Franco Tug, right? Um, they're going to come together. Like Franco <laughs> Tug, right? Um, uh, they're going to come together and they're going to transfer fuel, right? Um, client, uh, there's a there's a service provider relationship between these two, and then and then uh, Franco Tug is going to go out to the rest of the solar system and do its thing. Orbit Fab is still sitting there. It's doing its thing. It's, its job is to sit there. Um, and then this tug is gonna go out. And now the tug is going out and it's gonna go to, um, you know, a Luxembourg company and pull a different asset from one orbit to another orbit, right? These are all services that are in the very near future. Yeah. 
one year, two years, three years, probably probably less than five years across the board. These are all, all of these things are under construction right now. They are well-funded, they are well-financed with really, really smart people in charge of them and really, really smart people building them. Yeah. So this is near term. So, so Franco Tug is going to buy a service from OrbitFab. Yeah. And there's going to be a transaction there. Yeah. And then Franco Tug is going to go and move. Um, there's a company called Cislunar Industries that's trying to build a uh, forge in space. Mm -hmm. And they need to move. They need to move from where they are to where they're going. Uh, so that's another transaction. Uh, that's an American company. Yeah. Um, these transactions are for services that are happening exclusively in the space domain but yeah. money is still going to move hands fill in the blanks from there what what does that look okay. like if there are okay. such things as special purpose orbital corporations okay so i mean that, that that's a really interesting example that you you come up with there and and the first thing to say is that i think um as with companies which are just operating on earth as we know them you know they're all engaged in millions if not billions of transactions daily um and if you were just um tracking each transaction directly um so every single transaction the company's involved in um is tracked individually it's really inefficient so what you do at the end of the day there's a netting exercise at the end of the day um so um a company's involved in uh, through their uh, banks. There's a netting transaction, which means you're settling in terms you know, of cash company flow. A, company B, company C. Yeah. We're tra we're transferring those money, and that money is netted out at the end of the day. At the end of the day, yes, yes. So, so the banks are involved here, obviously, um, and and that would apply to um, companies um, engaging in activities in space as well. Now. The, the, the missing link here, I think, I mean, a lot of this, the mechanics, I haven't quite worked out. I'm not an economist, um, but I, I, in my thinking, um, the virtual corporations would be subsidiaries of um, what you might call terrestrial companies. Mm -hmm. So you could have, you know, um, Lane or you could have Liftport um having um a, a virtual an orbital company called um liftport ovc say orbital virtual corporation and so these space activities um the um untaxed space activities would be carried out through your subsidiary so the terrestrial company the parent company liftport and um, terrestrial would basically um finance would inject funds into um, um, Liftport Orbital um, and Liftport Orbital could then engage in these off-planet activities and transactions, um, could generate income and profit and every now and then would repatriate funds back down to Liftport Terrestrial. Um, so um, I suppose <coughs> the two points I'm making is that there would be a web of transactions going on around these orbital companies. So 
each day I imagine that um, an orbital corporation may be involved in say two, well, well I was gonna say 200 transactions, a couple of hundred transactions. Um, and that would go on for say a 12 month period. A lot of this needs to be legislated for and every uh, 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 regulated period, um, the parent company on earth could draw down um, against its investment in the orbital corporation. Um, so there, 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 there's, um, I suppose, uh, a need for there to be a relationship between an earthbound company and the orbital company. It is, it's not something that's just going to happen in space. There will be a relationship with Earth. Right. Um, so, so going on with your example, um, yes, you see so the, 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 you, you called it, um, uh, what was it, Franco? Franco Tug, right? Franco Frank Tug, yeah. Franco Frank Tug would have would have uh, would would have Franco Tug Orbital as well, and Franco Tug Orbital would be engaging with. Um, I don't want to use uh, Orbit Fab necessarily because um, it would, I don't want to use somebody's brand name, but um, it would engage with. Let's use Liftport because you're here. Um, but so Liftport Orbital would be transacting with um, uh, Orbit Fab. Um, I'm sorry, sorry, with, with Franco Tug Orbital. Um, and that's how I see the, the the commerce being conducted. So you hit that one point about um, you do the transactions in space, and all space transactions in space transactions are cleared and operated in space, netted out on a daily basis in space. There's a banking system of some kind there. There's at least an accounting system of some kind there. Um, and then it's not repatriated money until it comes back down to the ground, right? And so there's that, an so just to say that at that point, at that point, it would become taxable, right? Because it then hits a jurisdiction. Okay. So if my headquarters, if Liftport and Liftport Orbital as a separate as a separate uh, organization, the Liftport Orbital is not taxed until the money drops back down to the ground of Earth. And then where Liftport is headquartered, in my case, uh, Washington State, that's when, that's when it would be taxed. But until that money comes back down to the ground of Earth, that money is not taxed. Because that's it's moving my, through the space economy. Yeah, that's my current thinking. But you need people who are much well or better versed in tax and economics than I am to actually structure this properly. But my thinking, I can see that um, at some point there will be um, um, a jurisdiction to tax will be introduced into the the, the affairs of these companies. I can see that. Um, the, the other point to mention here is that I, I hate to, um, to, to to use the C word, but I do think that cryptocurrencies may have a role here and, and also um, DAOs and distributed autom autonomous organizations here. Um, so as, as I, because because we're, we're, we're touching on the issue of banking, my, my, in my, in, to my mind, um, the act of incorporation, so, so, so lift Port Earth um, would uh, uh, would would basic instruct 
an orbital incorporator, a company which incorporates planets, uh, companies off planet to create uh, your subsidiary. So the subsidiary would be held um, on a server um, um, off planet um, and it would then have a wallet attached to it. So all of um, the transactions of the orbital company would also take place on the on the server, as it were. Um, and this is where, in my opinion, um, cryptocurrencies could actually be a very useful enabler um, for these companies. You can't see it, but in my note in your document, I said, finally, a use case for the blockchain, right? Yes, um, indeed, yeah. Right, it is, right? It is. It's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a use case for the blockchain. It is an accounting system that uh, could manage all of the transactions out uh, in the sky above us. I think that's a really fascinating idea. Um, there isn't really anything like it right now. I suspect that there will be in the not too distant future, but um, I think that those kinds of things uh, are why the White House created this briefing document about uh, digital assets. It's why Space Chain has posted some stuff about what they want to do. There are organizations that are building the capabilities, both orbitally, or orbitally and on the moon, to back up this system that you're describing, correct? Yes, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned Space Chain. I mean, Space Chain, yes, has done a lot of work in this area, um, really um, clever stuff, but also not to um, um, ignore the work that Lone Star and Chris Stott are doing, right. um, also right. um, Dennis Wingo and Skycorp. So there, there, there is already a, a foundation uh, for um, um, data centers and servers in space. And, and um, yeah, this would be just, in my view, uh, an interesting application or extension of what they're doing to enable um, um, space commerce to take place more more efficiently, I think. Yeah. Now, there's, a, there's so much happening in this field, um, but what we can all basically agree on is uh, the frameworks exist, implementation of that framework is still being worked out. Does that, that seem like a fair assessment? I'm, yeah, I, I don't think I'm close enough to what's going on at a high level to answer that. Okay. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I suppose looking at things from where I sit within the <laughs> the, the, the the scale. It, it, I think that would be a fair assessment. I think the framework does exist, and um, I think there is a lot of uh, encouragement um, at a high level for you know for for the sector to enable itself to operate more effectively, um, which is what I think what I'm trying to achieve with this proposal. I think there's something here, you know, you showed this to me, maybe, maybe it was three months ago, maybe it was four months ago. Uh, and I just kind of had this wow moment, this aha moment 
of if the building blocks that you've laid out and they seem very sound to me not being an attorney but being a, a guy who's been in the space business for 20 years um you know i've imagined how how humans move out there right whether it's the moon whether it's mars whether it's uh uh, the Sicilian Iconosphere, um, we're going out, we're going up. And, you know, mundane tasks of settling your checking account every day, uh, you know, my business to your business to somebody else's business, um, those things still have to happen. But we didn't really have mechanisms for it. Right now, um, if organizations are contracting with each other, they're moving ones and zeros down here on the ground that represent assets uh in the sky um uh, but it's not going to be like that forever it's not going to be like that always um and so the thing that was intriguing to me about your paper was there is legal precedent there is a foundation that um each each brick in your argument is based on a prior brick so everything is every, there's the foundation is solid the foundation is uh is set and then given that the potential the the possibilities uh they're astounding um i'm gonna pull up your uh your harvard business review um article here not your not your article um uh one that you cited give me a second here so you cited this article in your in your paper in your document um and it's you know harvard business review so it's pretty solid i don't know any of the authors i'm just going to take their their word for it um but where where's that piece that was so powerful let me let me see if i can find it um yeah here we go uh the opportunity presented by the space for space economy is huge but it could easily be missed to seize yeah. this policymakers must provide regulatory and institutional frameworks that will enable the risk-taking and innovation necessary for a decentralized private sector-driven space economy. There are three specific policy areas we believe will be especially important. And they go into they go into their argument. So tell us what this means to you. Um, I know what it means, it means yeah. to me. I think it is a giant potential opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So um I mean, I, th I think I said at the beginning that I'm not a space lawyer. I'm a lawyer with a Understood. passion yeah. for space, and 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 I think that that puts me in a slightly different position from your traditional space lawyers. And I know a few of them. Um, in that, I suppose I, I think of it differently. I, I, haven't, I haven't been to a, a a an institution and studied space law. Um, um, I've been a practitioner and I've worked on projects, and I come um, from that background. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, lawyers um, or the law has a 
function as an enabler um, 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 of 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 commercial activity as well. So um, when we look at companies, one of the most important aspects of companies is what's called the veil of of incorporation. And there's a famous case of uh, Salomon and Salomon in 1897 in the UK, um, which basically enabled a company uh, to be separated from its shareholders who are given separate identities. And, and that was used, um, that legal fiction has been used to actually facilitate commerce globally. Um, and that's what I think I'm trying to do here as well in a way, um, not to try and sound too grand about what I'm trying to achieve. But what, what I think, the, 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 what that Harvard Business Review says, and also I think what the, um, 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 the Department of State um, uh, uh, encourages as well, or is asking for, is for people to, or, or the industry to find ways to enable um, the space commerce to happen more effectively. Now, all I've done, I suppose, is look at how companies are incorporated and see whether we could actually create a sovereignty regime which would apply to companies incorporated off planet or to allow for companies to be incorporated off planet. The next thing is to look at whether or not we could free them then from the tax burden that applies to companies to, and that's not just to give them um, um, a total uh, free pass as regards tax. We haven't come on to this yet because my view is that in a nutshell, the savings that these companies achieve um, through being unshackled from the tax burden um, um, is partly to encourage greater investment in the sector also to enable um, a, a proportion of their profits to be used, for example, towards um, the, the cleanup of debris in space, and also to create a fund for, um, for the, uh, the for, all, for all mankind objectives as well. So, so, so the first part of this argument is to create a legal argument for companies to be incorporated off planet. The second is to see whether they could be freed of the tax burden. The reasons for doing this are to reduce risk um, and to free up the sector. Um, and thereafter, um, um, enable through regulation um, funds to be used for mat matters other than than um, the, the betterment of the company per se. I should pause there again, Michael, and let you come in. Uh, okay. Um, if, if this future kind of, if, if, if this future that you and I both hope for uh, comes to be, you know, that's where I'm thinking these corporations facilitate that future by by allowing organizations to build out assets uh, on an individual basis once we've got a lot of people on space stations and on the moon and as a corporate basis once we have more space stations uh satellites uh, uh debris re remediation 
tugboats, um, you know, all, all the infrastructure that's being crafted and created and built uh, for space. Once we have that infrastructure in place, we're going to start transacting in a normal day-to-day business as usual, except we're in space way, right? Yep. And that's where I feel like these uh, SPOCs really really have value right 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 now we can come up with use cases for you know dozens but not hundreds of companies right we can we can name the probably 50 companies that could use a spock today yeah right right um you know i could i could rattle off a few off the top of my head um but there aren't that many but we know that there are more coming and that more transactions are going to take place. And as um, these orbital gas stations get different kinds of fuels available, it will enable other kinds of you know, companies to come online. As uh, 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 you know, when there are servers that are on the moon and on space stations, emplaced in those places as uh, as uh, as an asset um, those transactions will be cleared entirely on orbit um, and that's gonna that's gonna change things right so right now there's less than probably 50 companies but there will be hundreds and there will be thousands um, and that's when that's when Spocks really kind of come into their own, right? Once there's a lot of transactions happening, I, I think so. I think that that must be right. And and in a way, um, we're kind of anticipating a future where we're where we're crystal ball gazing. But I think that you and I sense that there is um, a a potential here that we need to anticipate um, um, to enable um, the future that we see to happen um um more 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 readily and and so yes no i i'd agree with that um it's um i i, I think that the uh you know the 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 the, the, the commerce that's required will get it's, it's it's it is going to get more intensive there's, there's no doubt about it. as you say there are about 50 companies that you could name now but the way things are going, we could have very quickly ten times that number of companies who may be interested in in doing something of this nature. I know that you're not a tech attorney, and I don't want to put you in a spot that's uncomfortable. So, if you want to back away from this question, feel free. But I'm really uh, interested in the idea of um, a flag of convenience in the same way that there are places to register your shipping container and places to register your uh, cruise ship, there will be places, there are in fact already places to register spacecraft. Isle of Man is certainly trying to put a dent into that market. Um, uh, Luxembourg wants to be the space mining capital of the world, which I find um, I applaud the ambition. I don't think it's it's going to happen the way they, they think it's going to happen. But 
you know, there's there are places that are trying to specialize in space components. I think it makes sense for a nation like Luxembourg to specialize in the financial transactions of space. You mentioned in your paper, Estonia is trying to build um, precedent around servers that have national sovereignty equal to embassy roles, yeah. servers that act as embassies. I find that idea, I find that idea amazing, by the way. That's one of the things just between you and me and everybody else who's listening. That's one of the details that clinched this whole idea for me was that because that existed at a national level, uh, it made it, it made it easier to understand the rest of this stuff. Um, so that's our future. Uh, what does it take to get there? If we're going to have flags of convenience, if we're going to have um, nation states that specialize in this stuff, uh, what does it take to get there? How, how does the first one of these get built and who's going to challenge it? Well, I, I suppose in my thinking, again, it needs a, a lot more work if this is going to take off. But in my thinking, um, the, the role of um, the state is, is key here. So whether it's um, the US or one of the other, um, you know, leading space commerce nations, um, um, you, you, you would probably want to see whether uh, a legislation could be passed to enable such a structure to be um, set up. Um, you could do it that way, or, or, or a number of companies could just, I suppose, um, argue that they have incorporated subsidiaries off-planet and start trading off-planet and then working out with the um, government and other authorities, including the tax authorities, as to where you go from there. It could be done um, with the private sector leading or with um, a state involvement from the outset. But I think the easiest, the smoothest way would be to sort of get state buy-in at the outset and build it up from there, um, and then build up a body of law and regulation to govern their activities. Um, and also, I mean, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the, the economy of this, uh, the economics of this, because uh, even on Earth, you know, so it takes space-based solar power if, um, uh, a company was providing power to satellites in orbit um, as a transaction. Let's say, you know, you ring mm -hmm. up and you say, look, we, we need some more power for um, a particular unit here. Can you uh, supply us? Um, you know, the, 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 the power purchase agreement on Earth is a very complicated transaction. It's a very complicated document. We need to get the lawyers involved and to start drafting documents which reflect the risk and the investment. Um, and other aspects of the transactions that people are engaging in. So we need a statutory framework, especially if any savings are to be redirected towards um, um, the debris and cleaning up space, and also towards a fund for um, other purposes, common the commons type funds. Um, you need a body of legislation um, as well. So I think to get from A to B um, discussions and um, research needs to be uh, taking place um, as the first stepping stone. Discussions about whether or not you could get sovereign buy-in for this or whether it's going to have to be a number of companies just actually 
taking it and running with it and then working it out with the authorities. Um, but I think a fair amount of research is required on getting the legal framework right and also getting the economics of these transactions that we're talking about right as well. Uh, we only have uh, just three minutes to close up. Um, paint paint a picture of of uh, you know now to twenty twenty five, just three years away, twenty five uh, to thirty and thirty to thirty five. What does that look like? Oh, that's a uh, unanticipated question. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like? So from now to just three years, the next, the next three years. Yeah, I think the next three years, I would hope that um, I could work with others um, to breathe life into this um, idea, even if it's just to research it and uh, find out how far it could go. Um, but I, I think that. Um, Within three years, I would hope that um, we could look at the technical feasibility and the legal feasibility and also um, get one or two companies who decide to pioneer uh, uh, this idea and to undertake one or two transactions in space as pilots um, and work out how the whole regime would work in practice in reality. Um, and then hopefully for the five years after that, we start looking at how we scale up and actually getting legislation in place to actually deliver this as a more scaled up platform for commerce and space. Brilliant. Okay. All right. That's what we're going to wind up doing. Um, make a prediction. Uh, let's go all the way out to 2035. Um, how many how many spots do you think there's going to be just make I, a number we're gonna we're gonna bet and we'll come back in a few years and talk about it. we're talking about 2030 did you say 2035 2035 so we're talking the, about 12 years from now um say 10 years from now i would hope that we'd see a thousand of these spots up there thousand spots yeah okay all right Okay. I would love to see that. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. I mean, that's based uh, on there being 5,000 um, US space companies at the moment. Um, right. Globally, 10,000. I think we've got 10% of those doing space for space transactions. Um, I think that would be a, a good figure to aim for. Okay. 10% uh, of the current level of space companies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that tells me that's probably not big enough. Uh, yeah. I think that's probably going to be bigger, but I like it. I like it. Thanks a lot, Tobin. Okay. Really appreciate having you having you on our program. Uh, we're just getting started. We'll come back to you over sure. time and check in on this on this idea. Um, and with that, we're going to sign off. I'd really like to thank my team in the background for kind of making this uh, this uh, event happening. We're really grateful to um, uh, Leah, Taylor, Joey, and Yusuf. So we couldn't do this without y'all guys. So appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Uh, Kobana, it's always terrific talking to you. I love the ambition and the enthusiasm. Let's see if we can make these 
Spock's come into reality. And then for everybody else out in the world, thank you for listening and paying attention. Have a great night, y'all. Thank Bye -bye. you, Michael. Bye-bye.